You well? Are you healthy? Are you? Boy, I got a pretty little girl sitting down front. She's smiling. Here, stand up, sweetheart, and turn around and smile at everybody. See, that's what everybody needs to do on Sunday. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. I know there are people dealing with coughs and colds and runny noses, and but we'll get through it. Amen. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Amen. Because he's moving. 
the only one that can do it. Let him do it. Surrender. Don't fight it. Surrender and let him do it. Right now in this place. Jesus Christ, the
King Jesus, we worship you in this place today. King Jesus, we give you all the glory and honor that's due your name. It's not about us. It's all about you, Lord Jesus. And so we set our affections this morning on things above. 
and not on those things the earth gives. We have hearts for you, Lord Jesus. So, Father, we thank you for using us in these last days. Use us, Lord, in this new season, what the Spirit of God is doing. Thank you. We have ears to hear and eyes to see. So we consecrate and dedicate our lives individually and corporately for you, King Jesus. Not our will, but your will be done. Say that with me. Not my will, but your will be done. We love you. And we welcome you this morning, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, Spirit of grace. You know what every individual is going through in this place today. You know our hearts. And I thank you, Lord, the thoughts that you're thinking towards each one of us is thoughts of peace and not of evil to give us a future, a hope, and expected end. We have a future with you, Lord Jesus. So, Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see this morning. I thank you every ear is a listening ear and every heart is good ground for the seed of the Father's Word to be planted. And it will bear fruit in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. Let Jesus rise. I have a lot of information this morning. I'll try to go quickly, so stay in there with me. Uh, we will receive this morning's tithes and offerings in a little bit, but I've had a lot of questions, and so let me clarify this first of all. Um, the Church of Christ in Tilden had a fire, and we are going to receive an offering this morning to bless them and help them. And so if you want to give to that, make, your, make the check to Harvest Church, and we will give them one check. They will get the full amount of everything that you give, and on your offering envelope, just mark, like under other, just put Tilden Church or Tilden or, or something like that so we'll know and we'll designate that. So, um, so while you're preparing your envelopes, if you have a question about that. Now, I, before we receive that offering, I've got some announcements. Number one, we will not have prayer Wednesday night. We've got some meetings and stuff like that, so we will not have prayer Wednesday night. Number two, if you were paying attention this week, LR14 Convention Estates, vote number two passed. And we got to go number three. It's got to pass three times. And they will bring that up most likely this week. They do not know the date, the day exactly. We will let you know on that. This is what I know. When David killed the giant he just didn't hit him in the head with a slingshot with a rock he cut his head off so you can't quit till till it's done and so we got to stay vigilant and so if you can attend this week please attend if you can't just stay in prayer pray for our legislators pray for everything that's going on pray that the weather's good and they get there Okay, so that's the next thing. Then there's also another bill before the legislature, and it's um, 
is her name Jeannie, Jenny Albrecht from Thurston County. And it's, I believe it's a really good thing because it's taking a stand against the perverted sex standards. And I'll get more information on that for you. And we'll get that before you too. But in the meantime, be praying for her and for that. So we'll get that information to you. On Sunday, February 6th, instead of having Donut Day, we're going to have a fellowship dinner. It will be right after church. The church will provide coffee, water, paper plates, plastic silverware. What you need to bring is, number one, yourself, a main dish and or a side dish and dessert. And um, if you don't like eating on paper plates, bring your own stuff, but but that's up to you. So that will just be a time for fellowship. We'll have some games for the kids, some stuff for the youth to do, and just a time to get together. And let me tell you, this church likes dessert, so just a hint. Anyway, so that is Sunday, February 6th. Um, When we first came here in 1983, there was a, the church had been founded by another person, by a pastor, and we and for a few years, and we came here. And when we came here, the economic situation in this area was pretty bad. Jobs were hard to find, inflation, and interest rates were high. And this past, the pastor that started the church, overextended financially a lot. <clears throat> and he influenced the other people. He didn't give good financial advice, and so. We weren't here very long, and he left and left the church with a lot of debt and a lot of outstanding bills. And we were really in debt ourselves. We had just supernaturally gotten into debt. <clears throat> and it was not a good situation financially. And any of the people that were here with us from the beginning will attest to that. You can ask them. So what we started to do was study the word of God concerning finances. And we came to the decision and the the understanding that rather than try to eat offerings and money out of the people, it would be better if we would just try to make sure that you were blessed and that we were blessed. And it worked because we're we're a blessed people. Because you know why? The word of God works. If you, you put the word of God to work, it works. And the scriptures, the Bible, is full of instruction concerning finances. And so what we started to do was as we studied the word of God concerning finances, then every week before we received the offering, we would just teach a little snippet on finances. And did it for years and years and years. And we kind of, last year, kind of just didn't have the unction to do that. But we're going to go back and do that just a little bit, do a little mini session on finances. And the number one thing with the church, meaning the church world, and finances, so many people will take one scripture and read it, and they read it out of context, and then their understanding is incorrect. I was just talk, listening to Raylan. Raylan's got a lot of things I have to listen to. But he was talk, doing chapstick. And he said a year or so ago when he got a chapstick, it said um, lip smackers. And he thought it said lip snackers, and so he ate it. (laughs) 
And that's what happens so many times with the word of God. We read something in the word of God and we misinterpret it. And we swallow it and it becomes a part of us and it isn't necessarily true. And so we're going to take, we need to have an understanding that God wants you to prosper. I can, we can attest, we've been poor and, and we're maybe not multimillionaires, but it's better to have money. It's better to be blessed so you can be a blessing. If we were $50,000 in debt and barely paying our bills, we wouldn't be receiving this offering probably for Tilden, but we can be a blessing to them. And that's what God desires. So we have to have a foundation of the understanding of the word of God. So we're going to start here in Matthew chapter 19. And Mike mentioned this scripture a few weeks ago. And it's one that's misinterpreted often, but we have to understand the context it was written in and the culture. So in Matthew 19, beginning in verse 23, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples, and we think, you know, you think of that, that little needle and a huge camel trying to get through that. And you think, God, you know, God, you just can't be rich and get to heaven. But that's not what it's saying. So hang on. It says, then when the disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished. Who then can be saved? And we always think, a lot of times we think that Jesus was poor, the disciples were poor. This just goes against that thought they're thinking who can get saved if it isn't the rich people it's it's how can we even get saved because they were businessmen you know they owned the yachts of the day they were big businessmen they were the fishermen when his disciples heard it they were greatly astonished saying who then can be saved but jesus looked at them and said to them with man this is impossible but with god all things are possible So now let's go back to, it says, again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And we always think about the needle, the little sewing needle. That's not what it's talking about here. Back in that day, they had walled cities to protect themselves, kind of like we need a border down by Mexico, that kind of thought. A wall. A wall, yeah. So they had walled cities and they had gates you hear them talk about the gates very often and those gates would be open during the day and their their walls were so big and so wide they had guards and soldiers up on there to watch and they could see in the distance if if enemy the enemy was coming in they could pull the gate shut during the day but at night they couldn't see that and so they would shut the gates and they'd still have guards, but the gates were shut. And on the, each gate, there was a little doorway. It was a little tiny doorway. And that was called the eye of the needle. And what happened if you were rich and had caravans and people and you wanted to get into the city and were there in safe, safety, during the day you could come in. But at night when the gates were shut, it was a different situation. They would come and they would allow you in, but you couldn't go through the open gate. You had to come through the eye of the needle. And and the merchant, the main guy, had to come through first. And that, I haven't seen him specifically, but that eye was so small, they'd have to 
crawl through, hunch over, because it would prevent troops from just bombarding through. And so then he gets through, gets his clearance to come in. He's got to go back. He's got to unload all of his camels because those camels had a lot of stuff on them, all their wealth and all their possessions. And they had to unload all of that and haul everything through that little eye of the needle. And then they get their wives and their kids and their servants and everybody through there. And then they had to get the camels through. And those camels could make it through if they went, you know, one foot at a time and hunched up. And probably if they had a lot of water in their humps, they probably had to make sure they dehydrated them a little bit to get them through. But that's what it's, we, we don't see that when we read this scripture. That's what Jesus was referring to. He was talking to the people of that day, the culture of that day, and they understood and they called that the eye of the needle. Now, why is it difficult for them? Because that rich man, with all of his possessions and all of his, you know, camels and herds and flocks and everything, it was difficult to get through there. And he had to lay everything aside to get through there, to get through that needle. And then, and then he had to trust that once he got in there, he could, could do what, what he needed to do. But this is the thing. God doesn't, isn't opposed to how us having herds and camels and riches, but he's opposed to us putting our trust in them. So when the guy came through, he had to put his trust in something other than his riches. And you can, no matter how much money you have, God loves you whether you're rich or whether you're poor. But if you have all your trust in other things, you really aren't coming to God. So when you come to God, it needs to be, because it talks about with, with man, all, all things, with man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. It's possible because of Jesus And we come through that eye because of Jesus, because we trust him. We trust his word. And we give him our heart. And it isn't that he's opposed to the riches. We can get that all through. We can have that on the other side. But the number one priority is that you have Jesus in your heart, that your trust is in him, not in your riches, not in your glory. Because the thing is, when I got saved, it wasn't hard for me because I didn't have any money anyway. I was 14. My money came from detasseling, and it wasn't hard. But people that have great wealth, sometimes it, they, de- they develop a habit of putting their trust in that. But we've got to put our trust in Jesus. We've got to look to him, and then he will show us how to use those riches to be a blessing and to be blessed so that is we'll hit a couple other scriptures the next few weeks and then we will get into more specifics on handling finances so ushers you can go ahead and receive this morning's tithes and offerings Uh, make sure if you want to sow into the Tilden church you mark that on your envelope and make sure you put your names on there thank you
Amen. I want to uh, read a portion from Mike Keyes' newsletter. Mike Keyes is our uh, missionary to the Philippines. I'm just going to read just a little paragraph. This is what he said. He says, God told me that 2022 was the year of you. This goes along with what other proven prophets are saying. And have you heard that? Or is this just a new revelation? He also told me there would be a breakthrough in 22, in 2022. I encourage you to embrace these words from the Lord. Minister to yourself and monitor your walk with the Lord. Stay sharp, stay focused, stay alert, stay ready. So uh, I want to bring this to your attention again. I don't know how many, maybe you already got the prayer of supplication. How many of you got this? How many of you didn't get it? Okay, you need to get it. There might be one or two back there. If not, we'll have to make a copy. And uh, the reason I did this is because I believe what, what the prophets are saying. And not every prophet, but there's one in Omaha, and his name's Hank Kuhneman. And he's a prophet to the nations, and, and he's, he's been very accurate. And, and I have a relationship with he and Brenda, and we have our church has for years. But he says, I believe and trust in you, and also what your prophet Hank Kuhneman declared for 2022. So Hank said, 2020 true, 2020 new, 2022 the king what? Remembered, and 2022 is about you. And so you can get that, and then I want you to take time and think about what you want God to do for you this year. Will you do that? I've got four or five things. I have it on my desk. I don't pray it every day, but at least once or twice a week. And uh, it's, it's an action. You're taking action. You're saying, I believe what the prophets and the apostles and the preachers are saying. See, if you believe it, then do it. So I encourage you to do that. And then at the end of the year, it'll be exciting to see what God did for you. Amen. Amen. Look in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read this portion of Scripture. And, and this morning, I, I've got a lot of information. And I just always pray that I don't give you more than you need and wear you out. But we're starting a new year. Amen. And uh, I always like to get focused at the beginning of the year and what God wants us to concentrate on as a church. And uh, so I want to read this passage of Scripture. We've been talking about this, and I guess I've entitled this series, Behold Your City. Say that. Behold Your City. You know, when, when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem... And he looked at the city, it said he beheld, he really looked at it. Basically, it, he, he saw the big picture of what was going on spiritually. And he wept. And so I want us and to this year, really, and this church has always been good about trying to, con, to invest in the city. And this year, I really want us to concentrate on that again. We've done, 
went wonderful outreach with Night to Shine, and we're going to do something again this year, even though Tim Tebow isn't doing it. We're going to do something, and it'll be fun. Amen? And I I just love being able, like, to, to sow into other churches. You know, we were flooded, and we had people bless us, and, uh, so it's a wonderful privilege to be able to do that. So in Acts chapter 2 and verse 40, this is the, when the church was birthed. It says, and with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. That's, that's really instant church growth, isn't it? And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine or teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together. Now all who believed were together. Now all believed... Who Turned me down a little bit. We're together. He's nodding. Yes, he's agreeing with me. We're all together. <laughs> All who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So they were generous, weren't they? So continuing daily, everyone say daily, with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. We said the motivation for becoming a believer and living the Christian life sprang from where? Within the people. Say within the people. There were no gimmicks. Special programs. There wasn't a great worship team or great preaching. The life of the early church was grassroots, and that's what we're seeing today. Everyone say grassroots. It sprang from the bottom up, not from the top down. Cities are changed from the grassroots up, not from the top down. Let me say that again. Cities are changed from the grassroots up up, not from the top down. God's heartbeat is souls. Bottom line. God's heartbeat is souls. God is concerned about people. The spiritual state of people. That's why He loves cities. He's concerned about, He takes interest in, Just like Jesus beheld the city, Jesus is beholding Norfolk right now. This region, this state right now. It's important that we understand that. God's people must be aware of the spiritual condition of their city. God pours out favor upon His people to influence a community. God pours out what? He blesses the righteous and with favor He surrounds them as with a shield. He gives us favor. He bestows favor upon us so we can reach and affect and influence a community. Harvest Church in this new season, in this new year, 
must pray, and we do that, and discern the particular needs of this city and this region. We have that back there. We're people committed to serving and sharing what? Jesus Christ. That is bottom line. And as I listen, I go through YouTube and listen to certain speakers and it's all, everything we do in the days ahead has to point to Jesus. Period. It's not about a man, it's not about a specific title, whether you're an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. It's all about, is Jesus getting the glory? That keeps it simple, doesn't it? And that's the way it needs to be. Would you put up that central truth, please? We have this up here, and I want you to see this. It's a, nope, that's not it. There you go. God has called what? Let's say it together. Let's just read it together. God has called Harvest Church to be a lighthouse and a spiritual landmark in the city and region. We've been strategically located and given a mandate to reach, reap a harvest of souls for the king. Just leave that up there. Do you get that? That's simple. We have a mandate to reach people for Jesus. We all need to be soul winners. Say, I'm just not that way. I'm not as as verbose as you, Pastor Mike. Yeah, I can talk. But you know what? You don't have to know 150 scriptures to lead someone to Christ. You can just tell them about Jesus. Bottom line. And what he's done for you. Has God done something for you that was special, that rocked your world? Amen? And so, we're going to this year, and I believe, and we're really going to concentrate on the name of our church. What is the name of this church? Harvest Church. Because I believe our Heavenly Father wants us to reap a harvest of souls. So, we've got work to do. Some of us are going to have to overcome our insecurities and our fear. Fear of men. Amen? I'll, 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 uh, where's Steve at? You don't have your cowboy hat on. You're very, you're an honorable man. Well, I, I like, like the fact he wears that hat because I can find him. He's down at the Capitol running all over with that cowboy hat on. And that, that's all right. Rawhide, rawhide, rawhide. <laughs> but I'm going to tell on you today what um, Zach shared. And I thought it was funny and it was interesting. Where's Zach? Back. What, tell him what you told me. So I won't, I won't get in trouble. He will. Because I know he's like a son to you. Five or six years ago, Steve and I were having a conversation, and he was talking about changes and this and that, and I said, well, it sounds like you need to get into politics. And he looked at me and laughed and said, ah, that's not for me. <laughs> and here we are. And I use that as an example because some of you might be sitting here today, well, I can't witness. I can't tell people about Jesus. I can't share what people have done for me. I'm just not that kind. 
Now he just doesn't shut up. <laughs> he has become a lobbyist. And, and you forgot that. I was going to say that, but I'm glad you did. Because he's doing what's right. And maybe he didn't have all the political credentials, but he had a will, and he said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And see, that's what it's going to take this year. All of us submitting our will to his will. Amen? Now, I want to talk about Gates today. And it's interesting she talked about Gates. And I'll give you the purpose of the Gates and the importance of the Gates. Especially in, a city, in, a, in a, an ancient city, they had walls and, of course, they had gates. And then in the temple, they had gates. And the purpose of the gates, of course, they were to keep out the enemy. But today, I believe there are spiritual gates. Say spiritual gates. What does a gate do? It protects in the ancient times. They conducted their business and legal transactions at the gate. They made official proclamations at the gate. They had festivities around the gate. The gate was a symbol of security and strength, authority, and power. We hear about gates. God God promised Abraham and and his descendants that they would possess the gates of their enemies. Matthew 16, we hear the scripture, scripture, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So gates are important. And I, I, I let me get, tell you what a gatekeeper does. Another name for a gatekeeper is a porter. And uh, you think about it, I think about a New York City, I've never been there, I don't really want to go there, but my kids have been, Caleb and Kayla and the, Kaylee, they want to go back. Thank God they went before all this COVID mess, but they loved it. But you know, outside of businesses and hotels, what do they have people doing? Opening doors. Standing there, and they watch their doorman. And, and they open doors for people, and, and they keep an eye out for things. Well, that's what a gatekeeper or a porter does. A keeper of the door. The office of the porter was to watch over the city gate. It is used more often in reference to the gatekeepers in the sanctuary. The priestly tribe of Levi, they had the responsibility. I'm going to give you a history lesson. They were to open the doors of God's house every morning and shut them at night. They had the job of keeping out the unclean and those forbidden by law to enter. They were to direct and guide the people into the courts of the Lord and those who came to worship. They were to stand guard over the temple and its treasures, specifically the ark. Amen? Then they had the responsibility to collect and distribute money. I'd say that's pretty important. This was a humble position As we see in Psalm 84, verse 10, we have the scripture, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of the wicked. So it was a humble humble, 
uh, position. And the Levites had the Levite tribe had the responsibility to do that. And they they did it by lot. They all came at certain times of the year and they they all did what they needed to do. In First Chronicles 23, it says they were to stand every morning to thank and praise the Lord and likewise at evening. Amen. So it was an important job. I want you to look at First Chronicles chapter 9. And it's, it's entitled, The Levite Gatekeepers. The Levite Gatekeepers. You'll find in First Chronicles chapter 26, I just wrote it down. You, I won't have you turn there. But here are some descriptions of the Levite gatekeepers. They were mighty men of ability. Mighty men of ability and courage. They were strong and able men. And in fact, one individual was called a wise counselor. So that kind of gives you some characteristics of these people that were gatekeepers. They were mighty men of ability and courage. In, I'm not going to read it all, but I want to draw your attention to, uh, let's go to verse 22. All those chosen as gatekeepers or porters were 212. They were recorded by their genealogy in their villages. David and Samuel the seer had appointed them to their what kind of office? Trusted office. So they and their children were in charge of the gates of the house of the Lord, the house of the tabernacle by assignment. The gatekeepers were assigned to the four directions, the east, the west, the north, and the south. And their brethren in their villages had to come with them from time to time for seven days. For in this trusted office were four chief gatekeepers. They were Levites. And they had charge over the chambers and treasuries of the house of God. Now listen to this in verse 27. And they lodged all around the house of God. Why? Because they had the responsibility and they were in charge of opening it. Every morning. Say they had the responsibility. See as we as believers and Christians. Don't let me. I'm going to interrupt. Don't let me forget I got a letter for her. Miss Heckard. I don't want you to leave. They had the responsibility. Say I have the responsibility. And that's what I want that to sink in. This church has a responsibility. Every church has a responsibility. There are all kinds of flavors. We go to some, I, we can go somewhere where it has 300 flavors. I take vanilla. That's just me. They make fun of me. I don't care. I get what I like. I like vanilla. But there are all kinds of flavors of churches out there. And they're all important, especially for the preaching the gospel. Lies. Should have showered. <laughs> Send it to Raylan. Every church has a responsibility. Every shepherd has a responsibility. And so the important thing is, you, we don't compare ourselves to any other church. Amen. The Bible says it's not good to compare. We just do what we're called to do. Yeah. Amen. Military, I, I have a heart for people that were in the military. My dad and her dad were in World War II. They had a responsibility. 
They just did it. That's why you've got to find out what your responsibility is this year. Boy, it's real quiet in this house. It's real quiet in this Lutheran church. You have to find out what you're called to do. Well, pastor, I, don't, I, don't, I just don't have... You know, don't, don't make excuses. Don't do that because, you know, if you're breathing... You can walk and talk. You can do something. You know, I, I'm so appreciative of the fact that, you know, people are singing and people are working with the kids. And as we get new people in and you find out what they're good at, you just need to do it. You need to be like Steve. You just need to do it. Throw caution to the wind and do it. You might find out you like it. You might find out you're functioning in the gift that God put in you. Amen? The prophet Samuel was a doorkeeper in the temple. I'd forgotten about that. He was a little boy, remember? And God was speaking to him, and he was confused. What's that? What's that? He thought Eli the priest was calling to him, and it wasn't. It was God. It was God. And finally, he realized that. There was another individual in a family. And this is, they were Obed-Edom. Say Obed-Edom three times. Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom. <laughs> Do you remember when they brought the ark up on a cart? And they didn't go through the proper order? Somebody went to steady the cart. What happened? There's always proper order. And it really discouraged David. You know where that ark ended up? In Obed-Edom's house. He had eight sons. And I, I don't want to have you turn there, but Obed-Edom and his sons were assigned as the role of porters or gatekeepers because they'd been faithful in housing the ark for three months. And the scripture says, and the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. He was blessed. Why? Because he was functioning in the gift that God had put him, and he was promoted. His family was promoted. You're going to be, I believe, if if you've been faithful all these years, God's not going to overlook that. You'll be promoted. You don't need to make a way for yourself or bang a drum for yourself. If you're just faithful and do what God's called you to do, you'll be promoted. I believe that with all my heart. Now, I gave you uh, last time, and I'll read it again. If I don't get through all this, I won't. Take all the time. If I see people yawning, I'll quit. I would have done the same thing. <laughs> I want you to understand, and, and we'll finish it next week, um, the importance of the direction of east. In fact... Put that up there just for me, please. I, I had uh, Julie send this. This is a diagram. The tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, where's it at? Right in the center. This is when the nation of Israel were traveling. They didn't have a permanent temple. And so they had how many tribes? Say 12 tribes. So they had three tribes on each side. Understand that? But I want you to look at the east side. Who were the three tribes? Now, within the three tribes, there was a leader. Of course, Judah was the leader, Issachar, 
and Zebulun. Okay, you can take that down now. That's kind of a busy chart. But I want you to see that's how they did it. And, you know, years ago, I had, we had a prophecy that was given by... And he's not really a prophet, but the spirit of prophecy came on him. And I read some of it last week, but it says this. This is the prophecy. It seems as though God has strategically set you on the east side of the city as the east gatekeeper. Cities have gatekeepers. Some are kept by the kingdom of darkness. Some have been kept by the kingdom of light. It seems as though God has set you on the east side. The east is very strategic, and that's what I want you to see. It's one of the most strategic positions. God set you in a strategic position, and it's not even, though it's represented in the geographic, um, but more spiritually, more spiritually. God set you on the east as the east gatekeeper. He says, as the, as the east, see, you've got to understand, you've got to begin to look at things through heaven's eyes. Don't always look at things through the natural. Have the eyes of the Spirit of God. Have spiritual eyes. See your impact and your position of authority is not determined by number. It's not determined by number. It's determined by your hearts and your obedience. Say heart. Say obedience. And you're willing to give or to do what God wants you to do. He goes on to say, there's an authority that's in this house. There's an authority. To be understood and protected, not to become familiar with. It's because you're so strategically positioned that there has to be that level of authority. That's why the authority is here, because of your strategic place and the spiritual thing that you need to do in this community. He says, remember the song, only the strong survive, only the strong. See, this house was meant to produce strength. This house was what? Produced should produce strength. He says, in this day we must live and move and have our being with a level of strength because there's a city, there is a welfare of a city in your hands. That's sobering. There is a welfare of a city in your hands, the welfare of this city, the spiritual welfare of this city is in your hands. That's why God is directing you and willing you, willing for you in this season that you're in, and because there's so much that the city not even has even been announced or unannounced that is relying on you, Harvest Church. I say that because I want you to leave today with, with this understanding of how important you are individually, your family, and this church. And don't take things for granted. Amen? Amen. I'll never forget back in early 90s before we bought this property, we were holding our services at um, the Ramada Inn for about a year. Oh my gosh, it was, it was all right. I thank God we had it. And I would take the time, I think it was Caleb, he was just a baby, and I'd put him in the car seat and we'd drive all over Norfolk looking for a place. And we did this all, we'd go all over and I'd think, oh, that might be good. And, and I didn't have the mindset to build because we didn't have money. We weren't any, 
you know, shape to be building a church from the ground up. Our congregation was small, and, and um, we weren't in very good shape financially. Well, I don't know how we found this property. I don't even remember that part of the story. But the bank held this property. It was in bankruptcy. It was the more transfer property. And we were able to secure this property. That's a long story, and God was so good. I don't remember what we paid for. It's like $105,000, $7,000 for all of it. That's pretty good. It's worth more than that today. And I'll never forget the, the head of our our organization at that time came here and he says, I just don't see it. And I, did you ever have Steve tell you something? It just, like, we don't have the boats. And you just, on the inside, you go, huh. Then I had a guy named Ed Dufresne who was a prophet. And he came through and he looked at me and smiled. He says, it's a piece of cake. And my heart was revitalized again. I was young and, and we didn't, I didn't have anybody really helping us. Everything we learned was on our knees. And we bought this property, we've developed this property, and thank God for this property. No, it's not a brand new church, but it sure works as, it functions well where we're at right now. And so we're blessed. But I never took into consideration the east side, the east side. Let me read this to you. The camp is organized with three tribes on each side of the tabernacle so that Yahweh's dwelling place is in the middle of the camp. Further, when they break camp and march, the six tribes on the east and south set out, followed by the Levites with the tabernacle traveling in the center. So two tribes ahead of them, two tribes, you know, back. Followed by the six tribes on the west and north, respectively. Whether encamped or on the march, the tabernacle is central. One tribe is given priority, priority among the three that camp on each side of the tabernacle. Judah on the east, Reuben on the south, Ephraim on the west, and Dan is on the north. So I'm, I'm going to stop there, and the next week I'll give you the specific characteristics of those three tribes, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. And what I want to do is, I'm not saying we're, we're, we're exactly like them. We're not. But there are specific characteristics of those tribes that I believe apply to us spiritually. And it's important. And the thing is, these people, these tribes, had to learn to stay together as they marched. They all, every tribe had a, a, a banner or a flag, and so they would know where to rally to. But they had to all march in line. So, you know, I wrote this down because I think I want you to leave today thinking about this. Accept, accept where God has placed you in His body. Receive and accept where God has placed you in His body. Rest in the truth that He has placed you right where He wants you to be. You might start out doing something and you might be promoted here, you might be promoted there. And this has to do with divine order. Everyone say divine order. And that's where the Spirit of God was sitting back there in the back one morning 
I had the lights out. I sit here in the dark because then I, I'm not distracted. And I, the words came. And I know it was the Spirit of God and it was marshal the forces. And that's not my kind of, in my vocabulary, marshal the forces. And I've reflected on that, reflected on what's that mean. That means I have the responsibility to help you find where you fit and function in your gift, work together as a team so we can get some things done. Amen? We all have to function together. Let's stand up this morning. Oh, yeah, there are some, he says, out in the lobby. Be sure and fill that out. I am blessed that we've had some church growth the last couple years. And I'm equally blessed that I like the people that came. Mike Blank, I stand here and worship and I hear your voice. There's something comforting about your voice. I don't know what, it's, it, it's just, you know, it's important. Now, these, we got neighbors here. I got neighbors down the street. Did I ever knock on your door and say, come to our church? Huh. I knew this couple and their family how many years? And I knew where they went to church, but I never tried to pull them out of their church to come to this church. Because this preacher don't function that way. That's not ethical. But there are people that have joined up that are really going to help us in the days ahead. I look at Steve and Darla and their influence in, in government and that in politics. You need that. But more importantly, you need a church that's going to pray for you so you can get the job done. Amen? Say, look at your neighbor and say, you're important to this church. So get with it. Father, today we thank you for your word. We thank you that everybody needs to find their place and function in their gifts in 2022. And because, Lord, they'll be obedient to do that, you'll make 2022 about them. And so, Father, we thank you for your goodness and mercy. We thank you, Lord for revelation and understanding of what you've called this church to be this year to this community and to this region. You are a wonderful, wonderful God, and we love you. And if we miss it, I know, Lord, you'll get us back on track. And so, Holy Spirit, those who are led by you are the sons and daughters of God. So we expect, Holy Spirit, to lead us and guide us in the days ahead. We thank you, Father. For this day, we thank you for this new year, this new season. In Jesus' name, amen. Is anyone here need prayer for their body? Why don't you come up, sweetheart, and I'll pray for you. She's been struggling with, she's, not, she's lost.